So you know what you just led into with that was the critical race theory that I kind of mm. wanted to address. Critical I, race I start, theory. I started looking it up and my I got such a headache. So what I wanted to ask you, because I don't really, I know the very basic of it, mm-hmm. but I, we need to break down one single word that I think is important. And it is the word theory. theory. So can you just, can you just tell me what, the word theory, not not in critical race, just in the word general theory. Theory, yes. Salam alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet ten thousand people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believe them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, you might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. So a theory is that is a part of a hypothesis that if it's basically the I believe something to be true because of X. Right. And I have not been able to prove it untrue. So much like right. in science, it's like, you know, our theory is, is that let's say, you know, if I hold up, if I hold up here, let me grab this right here. So I got a paintbrush in my hand. The theory, you know, the theory is, is that, you know, I, you know, that this, we say that this paintbrush is going to fall and hit the table. And if it doesn't, then we have to reject that and accept the alternative, which is whatever we determine the alternative to be. Whatever the results are, right? So a theory, so when we look at, when we look at what, you know, some of these are, so hypothesis is, you know, it's, here's the question. If, if you do something and we expect a certain result, and if that certain result doesn't happen, then we were, you know, we reject that. And the other has to be true because we kind of, you know, we can't just be like, okay, well, if this doesn't happen, then it has to be blah, 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 blah. Basically right. it's, it's us like saying, you know, this is what we expect to happen. If that doesn't happen, then we know that that's not the cause. And that allows us to move down the list and say, okay, so now if I do this, I expect mm-hmm. this to happen. And if that does happen and it repeatedly happens, it becomes a theory because then you have to really dive into the science of it. You have to, you have to test it in different ways. You have to test it in different mechanisms. You have to test it with different people and you have to keep testing it until you can prove that that's not the cause. Right now. So, so, so a theory is, so a theory is a step below a law. It's like a thought. It's like a new way of looking at something. Every theory no. start. Every theory starts with "I wonder if this," right? No, I wouldn't. Uh, that's a hypothesis. Is what okay. I would say. Well, it's, every theory starts with a hypothesis. Every theory then. starts with a hypothesis. What gets right. it to a theory is is that it has been tested time and again, and yeah, so far yes. continues to hold up. Right. Okay. Which which is a step below a law. 
like when we think of a law, like the law of gravity. Right. And, and the funny thing is, is that we know it to be a law right now because we have proven gravity exists in various forms in various ways. But the right. reality time is, is that again. it's only going to take one instance of that not being true to mm-hmm. throw that out the window. It's just that yeah. s- there's some pretty universal constants with physics that it, that's less likely to happen. Right. But, but that would, that would start with a hypothesis or a situation, yep. right? Okay. So but that brings us to critical legal theory, right? And when everybody, well, I don't know if everybody knows if you're sitting in a bar with a beer, talking to people around the table about shit that's happened, or if you're in college sitting with your professor discussing events and, and things that might or could, or might happen, you start to look at things in a, in a variety of unique ways. And so if you're looking at law and you're, and you're like, I wonder how law affects rich people and the taxes they pay. I wonder if law affects LGBT people. I wonder if law systemically affects black people. And so these discussions come up. Now, if you also at the same time have 7% of your country saying, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, they have their hypothesis and these legal students create a theory. And it's one way to look at it because what they're saying is that critical race theory is coming out of Marxism. This is what, um, I don't know, the guy from Texas said, Ted, whatever his name is. Oh my God. And so I really want to disprove this, but I want people to understand first that it's a theory. It's what, it's a way of thinking about things, but that doesn't necessarily make it the way it is. The other thing is, is that they're looking, they're very smart people doing it. And it's just a way of looking at things. It's like being high and going, I feel happy or being depressed and being like, I'm sad. It's a way of looking at things. They're not saying definitively that it is law, that it is actual, but I believe that it is just for the record. I believe that that racism is systemic, but they're, they're working on that. And I don't Mm -hmm. see why that is going to be the crux of the Republicans argument to to democracy. So, all right, let's, let's start with a few things. Let's Mm -hmm. start with logical fallacies because I love logical fallacies in that logical fallacies are great points for debate, but they suck when it, but they suck the moment that you try to hold a candle to them. Mm-hmm. So my personal favorite is, is that critical race theory has been born out of Marxism. Oh my God. This is one of my favorites. It, that's not, no, no. And you know, what's no. funny about that is the way they describe it. Uh, Marxism as um, social class divisions is exactly what Republicans are to the rest of the country. <laughs> so, so this, this is called, so this logical fallacy is called appeal to emotion. Right. When you're, you know, Republicans know that their base is terrified of communists still, which I, I don't even know where we have a good definition of communists around the world anymore are, you know, right. You know, it's the Soviet Union was like the best definition of communism we had, and that Mm -hmm. didn't hold up. Might be North Korea now. Yeah, well, that's more like I would call that torture, but sure. Totalitarianism. Totalitarianism. Thank you. Yep. So, so appeal to emotion by stating that critical race theory comes out of Marxism is Mm -hmm. is meant to you know. It's not based in any sort of like, oh, no. So where critical race theory is, is that if you look at the Communist Manifesto written by Karl Marx, and Karl Marx breaks down this whole blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's not based on anything like that. It is literally them taking two things, one of them that scares your right. particular constituent base, and then just applying that name in you know in congruence to whatever it is you're talking about freddy krueger says you're racist you know <laughs> and it's enough it's enough to get people to be like oh well if you know i know that communism is bad and marx is bad so critical race theory is bad right but the but the moment you take any sort of a look at it and start to dive into it you start to realize that the two things aren't connected in the slightest nope is it possible that there are people that are proponents of critical race theory that are also Marxists? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Is it possible that there are people that are proponents for critical racism? Uh, critical racism. Critical race theory are also proponents for capitalism? Also, yes. Yeah. Because, you know, why wouldn't people who think that the system has been completely biased on them want to have a capitalist system that, you know, no longer has those racist pressures on them? Right. So the idea, you know, the idea that it's one or the other is laughable at best because critical race theory isn't about uh, market economics. It's about understanding the systems in place in which racism has been enshrined. Right. And the legal ways, the legal, it, it was born out of legal, critical mm -hmm. legal theory, and it mm -hmm. became... How does the legal ramifications of a criminal justice system affect somebody disproportionately of color? And Absolutely. I have a belief that that is true. You, you know, know it's if you think it, about that, it, Jason, you think about the gun laws that we have in this country. Mm -hmm. Think about how often it is that some white dude has a gun and nothing ever happens. But the moment a black dude legally has a gun, he gets gunned down in his car. It's not right. that we don't have good laws on the books. It's that they are very significantly practiced against black people. Right. Because it's easier to take their rights away. If you can take away his right to bear arms and to vote, you've pretty much eliminate the, eliminated the threat. Exactly. So, so the idea that you, you, the idea that somehow this hasn't been enshrined in some sort of legal way is just absolutely asinine. We know that it has, I mean, if you want to talk about some of the, some of the very simplest low hanging fruit, look at, look at the three fifths compromise. Mm, right. A person is three fifths of a person and the white person that owns them gets more of a vote because of it. Yep. Yep. So to, to say that it's not possible for race to have been enshrined in legal theory is absolutely not true. It's right. just that it's become more nuanced. It's not as overt as it was. There's millions of us and we're all looking at things in our unique perspective. The fact that somebody wasn't going to say, gee, I wonder if our criminal justice system is slightly racist. Isn't going to happen? Of course it's going to happen. Especially when you are so blatantly obvious with using it against people of color, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, so, so the idea that the idea that it, that it doesn't exist at all is absolutely laughable at best because mm -hmm. we know that it has existed. There have right. been laws on the books for God's sakes. It took until 1996, I believe for Mississippi to ratify the emancipation of slaves. Yeah. Yeah. And the first, the first person, first white person even convicted of rape was in 1965 in Florida for raping a black person. Yep. It wasn't even considered rape until 1965, six years before I was born, seven years before I was born, it was okay to rape a black person and just, you couldn't white. marry, you know, if you were a white person, you couldn't marry a black person. Right. And live in certain States. Yep. Exactly. So, 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 me, so the so, very so, simplest, the very simplest, the lowest hanging fruit, things that uh -huh. have gone by the wayside. Right. To say that there isn't more to it is absolutely laughable because right. there is, there's a lot more to it. And this is where, like, from my perspective, like people who want to pass more regulations on guns, it's like, who do you think that these are going to be? proportionately affecting do you think that you know if you're saying that the system is racist if you're saying mm -hmm. that the system is you know has a whole bunch of racist issues in them and you want to pass certain laws have you actually done the homework that these laws are going to affect everybody equally or mm -hmm. is it that the system is still fucked and now you have yet another avenue to use new laws against people of color. And that's, you know, I can't speak to that personally, but on a you, surface, you can, you, you can watch the world and see as how it happens. Absolutely. On the surface though, to me, it's, you haven't fixed the issue, but you want to add more to it. And you somehow exactly. think that that's, that that's going to make it better. Another bandaid on a wide open wound. You know? Literally. Yeah. So, and without looking at critical race theory and I mean, structurally and holistically examining all of these things, 
Mm-hmm. You know, how are you ever going to find out what equality looks like? And that's and that's the one thing that we have to we have to make sure that we get into our own heads. Equality yes. of outcome versus equality of opportunity. Yes. There is no way that equality of outcome is ever going to be a thing. Right. As much as we move, before we move on, I just want to say the other part of this is that they're saying it's your fault. Like, you know, if critical race theory is a theory, which means it could just as easily come out that there is none as that there is total amount. And Mm -hmm believe there is no racism systemically you should be okay with having this this theory this 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 discussion this discourse mm-hmm. you Absolutely. know you should be okay with it but the other part is that the republicans are saying they're talking about r- critical race theory they're saying you're racist and it's all been your fault mm-hmm. and i want to i want to specify nobody's saying that it's anybody's fault it's saying that we want an accurate description of history so that we can fix what we made <laughs> and that's and, and here's the funny part is is that i forget what politician who said it is is that you know we can't have we can't have the, the youth being indoctrinated by such dangerous ideas mm-hmm. like like we haven't been indoctrinated that america's star-spangled awesome and that we've never done anything wrong that we've never you know in, right. exerted ourselves in places and done terrible things and fuck we can't even say that we haven't done terrible things to our own people that's right. We just did it a couple of years ago. Like we have, you know, spying on our own people. You've got mm-hmm. drug experiments on your own people to figure out what mind control could look like. You've right. got, you've got epidemic pandemic. You, you've got disease infections mm-hmm. in order to Simplest understand. Studies. Yeah. So the idea, the idea that, you know, these things aren't also being taught that America has done some shitty things. Mm-hmm. To its own people, nonetheless. Right. Not not even not even beginning to touch on what we've done outside of our borders. <laughs> yeah, well, we find new and, and you new and useful ways of keeping people distracted. You mm-hmm. know, drugs, so, poverty, <clears throat> um, poor health. These are all ways to stop you from looking at the fact that nobody's doing anything for you, you know? So the idea, so if you want to, you know, make the indoctrination comment, it's like, let's talk about the fact that, you know, I know people that never even learned about the Tulsa race riot massacre until just this year. Me? Um, Last year when, when Donald Trump wanted to go there, that's when I learned about it. Like I, I learned about it in high school, but I'm coming to find out that I'm one of the rarer ones to learn about it in high school. Right. So that, that I wish I could call that surprising. Mm-hmm. That's not, but okay. even then, like, like my memory of it, like, I'm curious how much of it I'm remembering correctly, even because I can't speak to whether or not, you know, I can't speak to whether or not it, how accurate it is and how whitewashed it is to say the least. Like, you know, because how do you tell people about a fucking massacre when they're kids Mm -hmm. all because the other people had money and were people of color? Right. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you tell people that? And of course, you know, I've had that conversation with my kids. It's like, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know the best way of broaching some of these subjects. And as an adult, it, I think it's in movies. I mean, the Montgomery bus boycott came out of uh, Reese Taylor rape and Reese Taylor was raped. And that movie was a time to kill. And I never put those together till I learned about the Montgomery bus boycott. And then I realized that this lady was pretty amazing. You know what I mean? For mm-hmm. what she did. And so what, what happened to her is she was taken to a dead end and raped and left for dead. And she crawled to her pastor who, who took her to the police because her, her congressman said, if you don't report it, it's not a crime. So she had to go and report this rape to the two police officers that raped her. And she did it. <laughs> and that had to be freaky as fuck for her. But it's, it's this oh, way Jesus. that we, it's, the, it's the way that we whitewash history with our movies. And 
and then how we learn about it. We need it. Americans, mm-hmm. we need our we need our stuff in small doses like that. You can't tell me that everything up until me was just devastatingly racist. You gotta you gotta spoon feed it to me a little bit at a time until I'm like, I get it, you know, I'm I'm less racist. And and that's the other thing too, is is that you also have to you also have to memorialize it in a way that, you know, not just the generation that it, that did it but generations to come are going to understand the horrors of what they've done mm-hmm. i mean when you look at i mean i don't envy germans having to learn about their history that's where i was going to <laughs> i don't i don't envy that i don't envy japanese having to learn about their history mm-hmm. but let me tell you something like i don't know that people really know what our history looks like with the indigenous population even exactly you know What's interesting, we had something about Vietnam, but it was from a Japanese perspective. Like we had a series and I thought it was so cool. I even did the titles in Japanese because I wanted, I mean, we're a global community now. We actually, mm-hmm. Japan and America have a chance of learning about something from a neutral perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, they have they have graveyards full of cherry trees to honor our, our soldiers that died there. Mm-hmm. I think that's so amazing, you know? Yep. So they learned and i i don't think it's a problem learning about your mistakes that's the only way to learn you don't learn from your victories right i mean you can learn from your victories but you have to learn you have to learn in defeat and mm-hmm. i say that because if you don't you're doomed to repeat the same things again yeah and that's just it is is that in a way america hasn't been defeated so we haven't learned from this shit yet Mm-hmm. And that's and that's yeah. a problem. Is is that you shouldn't it shouldn't take a defeat in order to learn this. It so shouldn't. Strange. It in shouldn't Russia, take that. It shouldn't take that. In Russia, the framing is that we only lose. We lost in Georgia. We lost in Ukraine. There, we lost in Syria. That's what the Russians know about us. That we're losers. It's only like you said, our star-spangled. Um, you know, rhetoric that tells us we're winners all the time. Have we always won or did we go into Vietnam and then back out and say, ah, oh, that wasn't really a war. It was a conflict. So we've never it's lost. It's a conflict where we, where we won the death <laughs> of 58,000 Americans. We didn't lose in Afghanistan. We occupied for a while to bring stability to the region, but we were never at war. And that's just it. It's, it's that, you know, can't lose a game. You were never playing. Right. <laughs> exactly and that's it's, it's it's like it's like it's like oh, i didn't lose it's like it's like fucking elementary schoolyard bullshit well, i didn't lose i wasn't right. really playing yeah yeah well, you did it when i wasn't looking <laughs> right it's it's horseshit it's it's all horseshit and that's what's really unfortunate is is that we 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 have to learn this stuff if we want to do better as as a country we have to learn this stuff we have to understand this stuff mm-hmm. and we have to understand it from both sides uh, of the coin like yeah. i get it nobody wants to nobody nobody wants to admit that their ancestors royally fucked up you know a continent nobody wants to admit that their ancestors you know are responsible for enslaving and murdering millions of people nobody right. wants to admit that i don't care i don't care one way or another I think, I mean, even now being able to sit down and admit it, it still sucks. Yeah, it wasn't me. Yes. But to say that, you know, the benefits that I enjoy aren't the product of someone else's pain and suffering is completely asinine. It's completely off. It's, it's not in, it's not based in reality. Right. And then to say that those people that we took the land from, they there's not even any history they don't have no American history at all. You know, they're not even a part of our history. They're just something. There was nothing they're, here when we got here and then we built America and they had no part of it. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's such, it's, oh, they were a part of it. It's just that they were the quote unquote losing part of it. Right. They were the rubbish we were trying to clear out. There was something here in America, you know, before Americans, it was, it was half or one third Mexico and two thirds America. Like, you know, right. 
And, and, and that's, you know, when, when you look at some of these things, like for example, growing up in Montana, we're familiar with Custer's last stand, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's different for everybody, I suppose, and how they, and how they, what they take away from it. What I took away from it is, is that there's a group of soldiers that thought that they were on the up and up and they got their ass handed to them by, by people defending their land. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Daniel Boone in the Alamo, right? I always think of that. Like we settled at Mexican land and when Mexicans were like, whoa, get out. We were like, nope, it's ours now. <laughs> we killed thousands of them. <laughs> so, so like, so when you sit down and you start to understand like all of these defeats and all of these laws that mm. were in place, that's how you get to critical race theory is, is really right. understanding understanding our history understanding our actions understanding our how we solidified certain things in law and whether or not those things are still at play that's really what it's about right yes yes we can sit down and say oh well you know well it's not as bad as it was because we don't have the three-fifth compromise we don't have jim crow laws we don't have we don't have we don't have we don't have yeah there's a lot of things we don't have anymore but there's still a lot of things that we do and there's a, a lot, lot of things we don't don't have that we can go back to just by a simple uh, court ruling. And there's a lot yeah. of things that we probably don't even understand. Don't we? It's the yeah. it's the we don't know that we don't know. Right. But I mean, they're they're attacking Roe v. Wade. They're attacking Brown v. Board of Education. They're they're saying that these aren't actual based like final laws. You know, they're not settled law. They're up for discussion now. And that's dangerous where we're headed. We could, as long as the law is on the book, the option is to enforce it or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love a group of intellectual minds that are focused on law, going through laws, going, this law makes no sense anymore. Let's get rid. So they can't be used again. And it can't be used as a bell for the, for the curve. You know, we were here now we're here. Let's get rid of that and say, we're here. Let's not do that. You know what I mean? Let's go Mm -hmm. forward clean out the laws that are that are obsolete so that we can't go back and use them and and let's and and let's understand how the law is going to be applied not how not how Mm -hmm. we think it is going to be how how is the law actually being applied right as it stands right now because i guarantee you there's probably some laws on the books in places where Mm -hmm. they're being used in in a pretty one-sided manner i guarantee it Right. Stop and frisk. I mean, a, a New York police officer can stop anybody and frisk them, but they're less likely to stop a white person than a, than a black person. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things, like the reason why I'm, I am interested to see where critical race theory goes is because I do believe that there is a lot we have to learn that is still needing to be uncovered. Yeah. There, I want everybody uh there's we have to understand who we are and what we what we've done mm-hmm. in order to do better like you know if we're going to say that we're we're a nation where all are created equal then we also have to make it so that way all are judged equal that's so funny equality everybody wants equality till you're talking about a, a racist or a pedophile or a catholic priest you know? and then suddenly it's like oh no you don't get those same rights i'm sorry and mm-hmm. i hate that i hate that i hate the fact that we have to allow a racist to be a racist and a pedophile to be a pedophile but if they're not hurting other people if they're not breaking the law if they're not doing anything except what's in their own head i think they have a right to exist i just hate them I just hate them and I don't want to be friends with them. You know? I, I think, but here's the thing about those, those two things, you know, you don't go to jail for being a racist. If you don't do anything, That's you right. don't, you don't, you don't have anything on the books. If you're a racist and you don't do anything. However, if you're, right. if you're a pedophile and you try to get help for being a pedophile, mm-hmm. you're a sex offender, whether you've done anything or not. Exactly. Exactly. Good point. And Good so, point. and so that's that in and of itself is a, a whole different set of problems of that. That's another topic. And I would argue one that Debbie is far more versed on than I am. All right. I did have a topic for her as well about passive aggressive people. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the, so. But, but here's, here's my point. Everybody does this. If you, if you're sitting around with your friends, drinking, talking about the tractor, if you're talking about the way people are, why Johnny's Johnny, why Sally's Sally, you're having this critical theory discussion. It's just these people that are in legal circles are having them on legal matters. <laughs> you know? Just like we are having these discussions here. What we do is critical theory thinking. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's, it's in a different way than other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how you turn off your brain and say, I don't want to think about that. You don't have to think about it all the time, but you have to know that you're not being blamed for it. It's just a thought people are having. We have thoughts about Pluto. We have thoughts about the grass. You know what I mean? We have mm-hmm. thoughts about everything. Somebody's having a thought about race in uh, systemic government. <laughs> right. It's, it's not a difference. And and that's just it is, is that, you know, even, even if you want to be a bit selfish and say, how could this law affect me? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's you know. It, let's say that there is a law that tends to be racist towards black people. What happens if you marry a person of color and have a kid? Now that kid is susceptible to that law. Your spouse is susceptible to that law. It yeah. shouldn't take that level of thinking to say, you know what, this is probably a problem. <laughs> you right. should be able to pull it back and be like, mm, this is a problem because it, even though it doesn't affect me, it affects these people. Yes. You shouldn't, it shouldn't, and that's one of those things like, you know, this is something that I've learned from Debbie. Something shouldn't be a problem because it doesn't affect you. Something that's should right. be a problem because it does affect other people and you need to see that. Isn't that interesting? People don't understand until it affects them directly. Yeah. They don't understand that like having 45 million angry black people in and around your communities is affecting you negatively. And that you could fix that so that everybody's happy and you don't have to deal with these thoughts ever again because everybody is equal. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how do you how do you take the systems that exist and make them equal so that way if it ever mm-hmm. could apply to you, it's going to apply to you equally? Well, that's gonna take thought. It's mm-hmm. gonna take critical thought, and you're gonna have to come up with theories and hypotheses of it, mm-hmm. and you're gonna have to study that stuff. That's called critical race theory. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's and that's just and 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 so that's where this is, is is that mm-hmm. you know, I could make the argument, you know, like where that guy from Texas says it's based on it's based on Marxism. I can make the argument that it's based on capitalism, that the idea that if you if you examine systems that are, you know, disproportionately affecting people, you can create a system that allows for equality of opportunity, something that a capitalist system believes in thoroughly. Right. So there is your appeal to emotion because it's not, it's bullshit. It's, you know, examine the systems, be logical about it. Don't try and tie it to something else. Don't try and tie it to, in fact, don't even think about it if it doesn't affect you. Just say, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about it. (laughs) Don't don't stand in the way of it. So Jeffrey, 25 states are are moving to um, end the unemployment. Mm-hmm. the federal unemployment because they feel that they're paying people to stay home and not work. Mm-hmm. And other people are saying, well, gee, maybe if you paid us a better wage and gave us a better, safer, non COVID filled work environment, we would come back to work. So mm. do you, do you think people are being paid to stay at home or do you think they're honestly not being paid enough to work? Yes. And yes. So, I didn't want that answer. <laughs> uh, look, you, you're talking to an academic, so the answer yeah. is always going to be yes and yes in a lot of cases. And you're 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 being asked questions by somebody that wouldn't ask if he didn't know the answer. So, so here you go. Are people being are people just staying home and getting paid to stay at home because they don't want to work? Yes. Mm-hmm. To say that that's not happening is absolutely not reality because let's be real honest if your choice was not work not do anything and get paid 15 dollars an hour to not do anything who the fuck is going to want to choose otherwise right like i don't know anybody that's going to want to make that choice to be like well i could go back to work 
and make $15 an hour, or I could do nothing and make $15 an hour. Right. I mean, I did, you don't eat that. It doesn't take a kid to figure that out. If you told them that they had to do their laundry and they could get a candy bar or they could just do nothing and get a candy bar. What do you think a kid's going to pick? I want the candy bar now. I always want a candy bar, but I'm a fat kid. So could I get the candy bar, then do my laundry and get another candy bar? Well, you know, that's always the hope, but that's unfortunately not the world we live in. But are there people that are making more money by staying home than by being out in the workforce? Also, Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. And when you look at it, I would say that, you know, one of your biggest issues, one of your biggest areas is wait staff. Because when you look at how wait staff get paid, it's so weird across the board. You know, in some states, they can pay as low as $2.15 an hour. Yep. Because you're because you can make up to you the federal minimum wage in your tips, but what most people don't realize is is that if you don't make that up in your tips, supposedly your employer is supposed to be uh, making up the rest of that, so that way you do make federal minimum wage. Seven twenty six an hour. Seven twenty five. 725 an hour which wow let's talk about that for a minute because you know realistically the the state minimum a lot of states minimum wages are higher than the federal minimum wage right so there's that and in which case it's like it's like you know if if you're if you're going to set the federal minimum wage and it's going to be below every state what's the point of setting a federal minimum wage which is below the poverty line by the way yeah in which case it's like, you know, is the, is the minimum, should the minimum wage match the poverty line? And we've kind of talked about this. It's like, well, you know, if right. we match it to the poverty line, but then you've got all these other people who are functionally poor, it's like, well, if then it's, what is the poverty line? What is actually the poverty line? You right. know, we've, we've made, we've made these weird distinctions, but rolling back, <laughs> rolling so, back, please. rolling back. So the question becomes, what does that look like for employers? Right now, it is it is literally the, the employee's market. I have mm-hmm. been telling people as much as I can. It's like right now, before all of these states open up, like this is your time to apply for jobs, jobs that you might not necessarily right. think that you would qualify for. Like you don't have to have 100% of the overlay. Right. Like you might be 75, 80% of the way there and might be better qualified for that position because they can't find anybody. It's like, They're this is your, train you, right? yeah, exactly. And so this is your chance to like get into new places, get into new work and, uh-huh. you know, change your life up a bit. Like, because I guarantee you that by the time July 31st runs around this, this isn't going to look like this. That's my bet. Right, especially if people are getting kicked off of their unemployment in half the states in the country. Yeah, and and so in those states, it's like if you're worried about it, like try and find jobs that are going to be paying you sixteen, seventeen, eighteen dollars an hour, twenty dollars mm-hmm. an hour, and go apply for them. You know, knowing that places are hurting right now because this would be your chance to like actually move up. But you know, it's not like these governors are saying. Oh shoot, we can't find employees. Let's raise our minimum wage. They're saying, "Oh no, let's keep the minimum wage lower. Let's just force them back to work." Mhm. So, and and so that's just it is is that like employers have been raising their wages to try and entice people. It's just that mm-hmm. you yeah. know, whether or not they're meeting that minimum standard is a whole nother discussion, which some are, some aren't. They don't want to over deliver. They're like, here, here's eleven dollars. Here, oh, here's eleven oh five, maybe twelve quarter. Twelve, you know. And then they're finding people to come in, but people are leaving just as fast. And I don't know if we should tie it in. I just heard a story that says the average Amazon employee lasts three minutes. That they overturn their whole, entire workforce once to twice a year that they need an average of 10 million people to apply for jobs just to keep going that and, that, me. and that they're running out of people. <laughs> I know a few people that have worked for Amazon and like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like I think we've talked about, you know, they make it about two years to get to their bonus and then they fuck right off with themselves. Right. So, 
that that doesn't surprise me and in all honesty like there's a lot of those positions where by the time amazon figures out how to automate it those positions are going to be eliminated anyways right but Agreed. there's a lot of things that they they're not going to be able to eliminate and that turnover is still going to just going to be a dog but that that explains why amazon couldn't get a union <clears throat> hold in uh what was it georgia right when they were voting for a union or not because mm-hmm. their employees have, haven't been there more than three minutes you know you're not you're going to vote for the company until you realize the company sucks <laughs> well and that's you know and here's the thing like the power that some unions have and some unions don't is is really mm-hmm. something else you know it would to me it would be one it would be a different discussion if all of amazon's employees unionized versus one particular warehouse right and that's and and that's really where the that's that's really where the difference is 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 that in in a place like that where you have well I would say more, probably more than enough people looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Like there is no, there is no incentive for Amazon to not turn all of those employees over and then end up with an entirely new crew. Exactly, it's cheaper than having to give bonuses and, <clears throat> and raises and insurance to somebody that's actually been improve over your here. working conditions. You know and the usual. Also, if you have a a one year long discussion about the union and you turn over your people twice a year, then that discussion is never going to be complete. And right. <clears throat> we, we created this. This always, this mm. reminds me of like kids in coal mines, mm. you know, the way that corporations have tilted the system their way so hard that they can make billions of dollars, pay zero and treat uh, Americans like, like rakes and hoes, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But at the same time, too, the you know Amazon Systems has figured out different ways of putting people to work, and mm-hmm. Amazon's you know at some point it's like you know you're going to end up hitting that point of diminishing returns. Like for example, everybody fought for 15, and Amazon mm-hmm. is raising up their stuff to 15. They've expanded their operations in such ways that you know now people are out driving for amazon versus versus you know having it go to usps or or ups or fedex or whatever they have but all they have to do is overload that person with more deliveries than they can handle and then fire them because they didn't make their deliveries yep in which case you know that's going to set up a very interesting set of court rulings you know mm-hmm. what what does physical capacity look like and yeah. and here's and here's the thing is like we've 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 used unions to be able to settle that in the past right and arbitration at, and at some point it's going to get to where we're going to use actual law in order to determine that and Good. if if amazon has half a brain about them they don't want to get it to that point it's like, yeah, right. don't get me wrong. You you want to you want to expend as little money as possible. So the question yeah. is, is what does that minimum expenditure look like? Fix it before someone fixes it for you. Exactly. And yeah. so if if they if they are really looking into this, they'll figure it out faster than they want. Yeah, because at some point the balloon is gonna burst on this corporate um whatever they're doing. You know, the corp- I don't know how to call it anything other than raping the land for as many profits as possible. <laughs> right. And, and I, you know, and that's just it is, uh, is exploiting people who are in need of work mm-hmm. to the point of, you know, physical and mental deterioration. Exactly. It's like one of the things that as a data person, <clears throat> what I can see happening is, you know, Amazon making the the data point that, oh, yeah, our delivery driver should be able to do X, Y, and Z, and then have that same data take the actuals and say, well, by your own data, that's not possible. And then somebody's going to end up with a wrongful termination suit that's going to change the law of the land. Because it's gonna take. I, as a data person, I love it. And if they don't figure that out first and somebody figures it out for them and rules on it for them, Right. Amazon's going to have some serious problems because now instead of hiring more drivers to get more done, 
and fixing that ahead of time, now they're going to be up against a whole bunch of new regulations that if they don't do is going to cost them a lot more money, which, you know what, maybe that's what needs to happen. And then you'd actually get some money out of Amazon into the government for a change. That way we could waste forty million dollars of it a year <clears throat> and give the people pennies of it. I love it. Just totally. fucking fix the roads you use, Amazon. <laughs> you know I, mean, I mean seriously, fucking roads are just, terrible. Just pave the roads. Just pave make your delivery trucks road paving machines and just fucking pave the roads that oh, you're man. on, please, you know? It's it's just absolutely insane that this is this is yeah. where we're at. And that the the government's okay with it, and that people are like stopping and fighting that that progress. We we're like Democrats are like we want you we want rich people to pay pay their fair share, and like there's a certain segment of the population going, "You're fucked." No, don't do that. Don't make Amazon pay. I like my cheap stuff. Slightly getting more expensive every year, while I pay a hundred dollars a year for the luxury of shopping. <laughs> and then and then you have the people who they're like, no, we don't need to make rich people pay. They already pay their fair share. IRS right. papers come out, say that they don't. And it's like. Yep. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's that you know, most of us already kind of figured this out. You know, mm-hmm. clearly when it comes to tax loopholes, tax loopholes were written for the rich. Sure. I mean, if, if you want to talk job- about systemic, if you want to go back to CRT for a moment. <laughs> if your job if your job is growing your money then you, you then your money is free and clear untaxable right and then when you charge yourself 2% to manage your own money then suddenly you're really screwing the system there's a group of people that are under investigation right now for doing that yep and they're trying they're trying to change before they get caught <laughs> yep and that's and so yeah that's the the system in a general, you know, in a nutshell is, is that people have figured, you know, people have figured out the way to make it best work for them and they Mm -hmm. have made laws to make it work for them even more. And so now that, now that, that is coming back to bite them. And in an era where, you know, it's easy to get digital access to some of this stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, the, I, I'm just waiting for whatever crazy fucking revelation happens next. Right. You know, but I, when I heard that story, I was like, wouldn't the flat tax just fix all of that? You know, just a flat tax, get rid of all the loopholes, just one, one piece of paper, the IRS sends out, here's our tax. It's like, if you make, if you make up to a certain, you know, whatever you make up to a certain point, $0 in taxes, because that'll be your, your effective poverty line. Everything that you make above and beyond that 10%, 12%, 15%, whatever it is. I love that. 10% of a hundred dollars is $10, 10% of $10 million is a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, so that, that makes it equal, but that doesn't make it equitable. Just, just right. so we put it out there. And that's, and right. that's where it's, that's where we get into this whole issue of, you know, paying your fair share. If you're, if you judge your fair share based on equal versus on equitable, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately those taxes are going to disproportionately affect people who may or may not already be struggling to make ends meet. Well, that's what I'm, and I'm. What I'm saying is, I think the equity comes within the disbursement of those funds, because mm-hmm. the hundred thousand dollars is going to go for the lower income people just as much, mm-hmm. probably more than for the upper income people. So, there's so. a little equity there in giving to the poor, taking from the rich. It all just depends on how you how you decide to give to the poor. Yeah. You know, is mm-hmm. it healthcare? Is it education? Sure. Those, those are things that tend to, you know, help neutralize a few things. Is it, mm-hmm. is it after school activities? Is it uh, food assistance? Is it no, affordable it's, housing? It's, it's a glass of water and a strainer. You know what I mean? That's Pretty what much. it is. It's trying to give me, it's trying to sustain me from a strainer. Instead, get, the, get as much water as you can while it pours out of the bottom. <laughs> instead, right now, it's more like a garden hose enema. You don't right? want it, but this is what you're getting. This is what you're getting. Take it. Deal with it. Yep. I don't know. I'm sorry, Jeffrey. <laughs> for what garden hose enema? I don't know. Just for the path this conversation's <laughs> taking. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things. Is you know, that's I think the glory for our listeners is that this is never fucking rehearsed. There's no script here. It's like, all right, right. we're going down this weird rabbit hole. Buckle in, fuckers. Tried- the way I explained my podcast to somebody was like, 
they were like, it's so political. And I was like, no, we're not political. I feel like an Amish kid that escaped the farm, but that mm. goes back in to save the other Amish kid. You know? <laughs> like, like, I'm not political, but I'm trying to pull you out of seeing things in a political way and saying, look, if you stop looking at it politically, you'll start realizing that it's crushing you. <laughs> right. It's like everything that we are going to talk about is going to be political to somebody, but the way right. that we're discussing it is not political. Right. Because there's other ways to look at it. Critical exactly. race theory. If you take the politics out of it is just what everybody does on a normal basis. When you look at a banana, you're like, is it ripe? Is it too ripe? Is it not ripe enough? Is it going to meet my needs? That's critical banana theory. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. And just, just to think that we need to turn our brains off because it might upset somebody. You know. And it, well, and th but that's just it. Is is that you know, you, we've grown up into a population, into a society where we want to be told what to think. We want it distilled down to a couple <laughs> of words: vote red, vote blue, Republican, Democrat, left, right, right. capitalist, communist. Like they're you know, it, it's literally like a fucking whip shot. It's like wee up and down, right. and it's like, it's like, well, wait, what about this area right here? No, no, and it's like Jesus Christ, like what the fuck but critical race theory <clears throat> all it means is think about it are you being racist and just don't like you don't have you don't have to support black people if you're racist just don't hurt them just stay out of their way just stay out of their lives they don't need to know you exist right and you don't need to know they exist just let them live their lives it's just think about what you're doing in the world and fix you you don't have to fix anybody else, just you. And 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 think about how the system, okay. how the system affects, you know, could affect you, could affect somebody else, and should it affect someone else in that way? You know, that's that's really the toughest part in all of this is understanding. You know, it, it shouldn't take you to the ability to sit down and ask yourself, how does this affect me personally? And if it doesn't affect me personally, I don't care about it because. The answer is, is that if it doesn't affect you personally, that's, that can be nice, I suppose, but you need to sit down and, and analyze how it could affect you personally, if it could affect you personally. And if you find out that there is an effect, then the question is, is, is it something that affects people equally or is it affecting someone disproportionately? And if you don't sit down and have those thoughts and have those discussions and then go in and look at the laws that are being created, you'll never actually know what is or isn't affecting somebody disproportionately, whether or not, you know, an old law, you know, was born out of the Jim Crow era and is still being used, whether a new law, you know, is hearkening back to Jim Crow eras or whether or not somebody is having some wild fucking idea that, is you know they haven't looked at history to see how something similar affected people you know that's a lot of it is, is that sometimes somebody comes up with an idea and then we're like oh wait hold on you know that's that's kind of been done before and it was bad i it was a bad idea then yeah yeah i think everything is a retread idea these days oh yeah i was oh, i was reading something about uh, someone wanting to, oh, who the fuck was it? Ah, oh, shit. There was, I read something about someone wanting to do some type of a, uh, uh, an American test to make sure that you knew what you were about to vote on. And I was like, uh, we had, we had those, they were called poll literacy tests mm -hmm. and they were specifically designed to filter black people out from being able to vote because they weren't literate. Right. You know, in those times, because they weren't allowed to be literate. Count the jelly bean tax, right? Like you, you know, can't vote unless you can count the jelly beans in a jar. And and it's like that's a terrible decision. That is an awful decision. And that we've already had something like that. It didn't work then. It was illegal then. Right. And, and you know, and and everybody's trying to come up with these fucking laws. And it's like, look, y'all went for the nuclear option on trying to fix this thing when there was actually a very simple fix that mm -hmm. is, you know, kind of in the middle of the road. It's you send out a ballot to every registered voter. They fill mm -hmm. out their ballot at home. And then you have periods, open periods of time where people just 
flux in with their ballot and their ID and yep. they cast their vote. Love it. It's like literally the easiest thing ever because your system is going to be able to tell whether or not somebody's allowed to vote. We're at that point technologically. Yep. So I think, I think getting more people to vote would benefit the Republicans <clears throat> than less. So I, I find I mean, it, it was amazing. clear. It was clear that it did because the Republicans only got 63 million votes in the in the in the Trump Clinton election, but they got 76 yeah. million, 77 million mm -hmm. in the last election. I mean, 13 million additional voters. That's 14 million additional voters. That's that's mm. that's a huge jump. And. I, I think it I think it in, incentivizes the democratic side to vote. I think it's just pushing more votes of anger. You know what I mean? Like I think there was more people on the democratic side that came out to vote simply against Trump than mm -hmm. for democratic policies. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about that. And I think the Republicans on the other hand suppressed more of their own vote because they don't realize how much are working class 9 to 5 two job people People who and are working think, the entire yeah. duration that the polls are open. Right. And I think they suppressed a lot of their vote. And mm -hmm. I think if you just give everybody the right to vote, Democrats will go back to being lazy and <laughs> not voting. You know? Oh, I, I don't I don't disagree. I think that's exactly what will happen is is because they'll do exactly the same thing. They're like, oh, well, we won the last one, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And exactly. then they'll lose it. Yeah, that's what we do. And so it's, keep us motive, keep us motivated. I decided I'm democratic leaning. I'm sorry. I can't be Republican leaning while they're like this. When they come back to common sense and real discussions, I'm all in favor of it. But to me, the Republican, the only Republican I know is Joe Manchin that I have to work with. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, I would, that's, that's what I would make the argument. Joe, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are Republicans. Right. What, what you would expect Republicans to be. Right. Should. And you heard he's he's reconsidering the filibuster now. Mm, oh, I did not hear that, actually. Yeah, he's he's willing to lower the threshold to 55 votes mm, interesting. To, end, to end the filibuster. My thought is, if there's 161 exemptions to the filibuster, why can't you just make voting rights 162? And that's what I tweet to everybody. I tweet, I tweet it to Joe Manchin, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, Pramila Jayapal just change the rule, like just add it to the exemptions. It's the easiest way to do it. Voting rights should always be one of those things right. that we can get done. So it's, yeah. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things is, is that, that, that has become such a fucking mess more than it ever should have been. Like yeah. it, you literally should be able to show up with your ballot and your ID and get your vote yeah. counted. If, right. you know, as long as your voting rights are intact, whether or not your voting rights are intact, that's another discussion. Yeah, exactly. Because as long as $100 is worth more than one vote, we're screwed. Mm -hmm. Coke, The Coke industry will just donate a million dollars to Joe Manchin and get him to not support the filibuster. But then when it comes out that they gave him money, then he's going to be like, ooh, I'm for the filibuster change. <laughs> so, right. You know, it's so weird. Politics is so weird. We need to get rid of people like this. Did you see... The guy wouldn't shake a Capitol police officer's hand. He ran away from him. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it was Andy Clyde, something like I that. Who it was. But yeah, I, I, saw that. I, don't, I saw I just that. I don't understand that. I didn't didn't even want to end on that. <laughs> it's it's, like, that's one of those things it's like I don't that's just pure garbage is what it is. And if right. if you know, you sit there, you, you know, you sat there and you yelled blue lives matter. And then you pulled that shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I know what it was. I know what it was. So here's a great question for you. Ooh, what do we got? Give me a movie that you just can't watch. Oh, a movie that I just can't watch. Moulin Rouge. Mm. Cannot watch it. All right. Good for you. I like it. I cannot do that movie. And I know so many people who love it. I cannot do it. I can't do it. And it's like equal parts trauma and equal parts. I don't like what they've done with the music. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so like, it's just, I can't, I can't do it. I, I hate okay. that movie with a passion and I can't do it. It's like, Fair I enough. will, I have no problem leaving the house if, if that's going to come on. 
<laughs> it's like what you need me to run yeah it's like oh look at the time i need to go get a cart and a milk and a pack of smokes but you don't smoke yeah. bye bye yeah i know i feel that way about most robin williams movies mm. i don't know why i like robin williams as a person just not as an actor i liked him as a comedian just not as a actor oh his his stuff as a comedian versus his stuff as an actor just like mm-hmm. <sighs> mostly right. complete the I, I would argue that the, there were very few times that the two ever crossed over and death to smoochie is one of them oh, okay. death to smoochie is fucking hysterical i like that and i would say usually that that's where that's where robin williams the comedian met robin williams the actor and said fuck you i'm robin williams the comedian now <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that then because I do have a lot of respect for him. I just never liked, I don't, it's not that his acting, it's the roles that he's offered. They like, they were like, we need a Robin Williams role. Like, like I don't like Tom Hanks, not because Tom Hanks is an asshole, but because the roles he gets mm. like any average white man with any acting skills can do any Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> yeah. That's the way I felt about Robin Williams movies. It's like, you're taking this awesome thing and just putting it as he's a placeholder, yep. you know, like don't be funny. Just be this quirky, whatever Robin Williams guy. Nope. Death to Smoochie is, I would say like, that was, that was the first Robin Williams movie where I was like in tears rolling because I heard Robin Williams comedy and i'd yeah. seen robin williams the family actor and i was like yeah. how the fuck are these two the same people right. and then it was like death to smoochie and i'm like i get it i know how this happens i i get it, I love it. it's like he, he robin williams was just all around funny no matter what he did he was a, he was a cartoon mm-hmm. character in flesh right but that's what he was trying to go for. What I liked was like when he was on happy days, he was kind of an asshole version of Robin Williams. Mm. You know what I mean? And I loved that. He was like an omnipotent God alien. And like, he could stop Fonzie. He was more powerful than Fonzie. And I just loved him for that. You know? No, it's, it's definitely like, yeah. Like death to smoochie would be like, if you wanted to find a movie and mm-hmm. find out what Robin Williams, the comedian, would have been like if if he was just Robin Williams, the comedian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got a great cast in that movie. You've got Ed Norton. You've got Jon Stewart. Wow. It's fucking hysterical. I loved Ed Norton for a long time. It's, it's, it's so fucking wild. It's so hilarious. Okay. I'll check it out. You know, one movie I never watched hmm. was um, shit with Ralph Macchio in it, the fucking Kung Fu movie. Karate Kid? Karate Kid. Yeah, I never watched it. Hmm. I don't know why. I saw it, and I was like, I'm never going to watch this. And since then, I've never watched it. I watched them. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, I thought they were they were fantastic. But, I mean, it's like their time period piece. It's like the 80s captured like it's it's not a timeless mm-hmm. thing it's like if you're looking for nostalgia like you want to mm-hmm. you want to be like you know, what were the 80s like that was the 80s wow i would go with the breakfast club mm, that too that too yeah but the 80s did have that vibe movie wise didn't it mm-hmm. that like the 70s and the 90s never had yeah the, i mean the 70s and the night you know the 70s had a i would i would say that was because the 80s had such a oddly homogenous culture at that point whereas right. like the 70s was a little bit more experimental and the 90s mm-hmm. the 90s everything just shifted so much like so corporate it so was polished so produced it put was in a jar and spit out yeah. it, but also at the same time too like experimental and weird and funky mm-hmm. and and like like literally just like throwing a handful of darts and trying to figure out what the hell would stick for, you know, the year. Right. Chumbawamba. Like Like Chumbawamba had their most popular song. Are you kidding me? Like Debbie Debbie and I were talking about that and about how nineties music in general is just like this weird genre of like, it was just all over Mm -hmm. the place. Like, yeah you know it's like you listen to it you're like that was the 90s but you can't exactly be like ah yes that was hair metal that was that was the 80s power ballads it was just so fucking weird 
it was there was this grinder, this music grinder, and they took these unique artists and shoved them into the same grinder, like hair metal and rappers, and then it all came out as like this like limp, um, what Lincoln Park sort of meets Mariah Carey's sort of weird bare naked ladies thing. Oh like, God, you know? it was it was all over the place. You had grunge, <laughs> yeah. you had punk, you had pop, you had mm-hmm. pop supergroups, you had girl rock, you had girl power right. rock, you had. You, I mean, you had these weird, God, we're listening. But you had it all in in the same band, in the one artist you had, they were like, put a little grunge in there. Now put a little, um, yeah. Yeah, You had Marcy, you had Marcy Playground. You had the birth of the Foo Fighters. You had, I mean, it was just, it was all, all over the fucking place. I mean, like when you think about the diversity of music, it was just so wild at that point. And that's where I see like music industry headed right now because Mm -hmm. people have the technology to produce their own music now at home. And so they can just be like, yeah, I don't need a record label. I'm just going to put this on a TikTok, And then suddenly people are going to be looking for my fucking song because some yep. random person, you know, danced to it or did something to it in a TikTok. And now, you know, the, the video has 10 million views. I've got 14 million downloads. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's like, to me, like as the musical person, like I'm fucking excited for that because, right. you know, it's, I love that musical chaos because mm. because you're going to get some really cool shit coming out of it yeah and for that you need to listen to the unsigned countdown because every week we feature five independent metal alternative rock and punk bands um yeah our last one was po- post uh i thought of you it was a lot of post punk well, i call it post punk they called it metalcore but it was just kind of that whiny voice and the growly voice and a whole bunch of mm. uh, up tempos and down tempos and starts and stops i love that shit like that's my that's my shit right there nice. <laughs> thanks for being here jeffrey i do have a question for you so i'm going to end things and say uh, thank you for listening to public access america to those who would tear the world down we will defeat you this is our moment this is our, this is our time to those who to those seek peace and security, and security we support you yes we can and to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and a yielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. And keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Welcome, welcome to public, to public access, access America. America. Yes, we can. Sunday live streams on YouTube. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Stitcher, Radio, Smart Radio, Radio, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.